0: Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. This podcast was originally a live show that was aired across several different social media platforms. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey your story matters it tells us who you are and who you want to be enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential if you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show please visit brandonbeck.edu.com to learn more about my speaking coaching consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. Welcome to the unlocking unlimited potential stories show. Hope everyone is doing well out there. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck and I am your host. I am so excited to be sitting next to here to this guy right here, Dr. Phil Campbell, most commonly referred to as PC. PC, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you today? It's good, man. It's a beautiful day where I am here in New York. We've had a string of about three or four like sunny days. And that is a beautiful thing when we get some nice weather this time of year. Isn't that the truth, especially in the north, you know, being from I, I spent most of my life
1: in the south. And then for the last almost two years now, I've lived in Minnesota and it's just a totally different world with all the snow and all the gray and all that kind of good stuff. And it really makes you appreciate, like you said, when the sunshine comes out and when it hits like 65 degrees. And I'm like, this is like tropical weather up here in the north, you know, like, so, yeah, we'll take it, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah absolutely it's like with those those people in arizona who wake up to the sunshine all the time and they're like oh you know it's just another sunny day and you're like well i could get used to that but then they're like well i like the four seasons you know there's that whole there's a whole mindset about what you like and what you're used to and when you don't see sun for a little bit it's definitely nice to get it out there but enough about sunshine let's talk about you my man so pc Tell everybody who you are. I know a lot of people out there. I got a lot of people who listen to this show that are Justin's renaissancers. So we're excited to have them here. So I know a lot of them know you. But for those of you that may not would love to have them share a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Absolutely. So I was born, we'll go way back to the very beginning. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, My dad was stationed in the Navy there, so lived there in base housing, and they lived there for about a year or two, and then we moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And then shortly after that, when Nissan Automotive um, Manufacturing Company opened in Smyrna, Tennessee, uh, my dad got a job working there. And so that moved us to the Tennessee area, the middle Tennessee area, specifically to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It's about 30 minutes southeast of Nashville. And so that's where I grew up. That's where, you know, I, I played baseball and soccer and football and, and all those things Went to high school, went to college, um, actually had the opportunity to play college baseball at Middle Tennessee State University. And when I was there, um, what I studied, one thing I knew that I didn't want to study was education my grandma was a teacher my aunt was a teacher my mom was a teacher uh, my brother's in education a- and so i grew up around the world of education if there was anything that i knew it was that stereotype that quote unquote teachers don't make any money right and i was not about that life you know and so i was like i'm not gonna be a teacher and so i messed around with a couple of different things um i was in a c- commercial real estate for a little while didn't really like that and I ended up graduating with my degree in agriculture. My grandparents live in Illinois in a very rural, very uh, farming community. And I I just loved the whole lifestyle. I loved the whole concept of what it was all about. But the issue was I didn't have any farm background or farm experience. And so I really struggled with getting a job in that field. And so around about that time, my dad, who was working at Nissan still, he got me a job working there in the factory. And I call it the dungeon because it was a horrible experience for me. I worked there for like a year and hats off to anybody that can do that. It's just not the way that my mind, it's not the way that my mentality works. I'm doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And Like I said, absolutely hated it. And so one of my buddies was a high school baseball coach in the area. And he said, Hey, would you coach my fall ball team? I'll give you 500 bucks. If you'll coach, it was like 10 or 12 games. Right. And at that point in my life, 500 bucks, that was like winning the lottery. And I'm like, Well, for sure. Like I'll take 500 bucks all day long. Right. And so I went out there and I did it strictly for the money i absolutely fell in love with those kids and i fell in love with coaching and i was like this is what i want to do and so i went back to school i got my master's of business education degree so that i could teach and more specifically so that i could coach Um, so i coached for nine years at the high school level i coached for two years at the collegiate level up until the, the time that my son brooks was born and as we were talking about before the show started here Coaching takes so much of your time, especially at the at the collegiate level, because you're on the road for a three game set. You've got to be out recruiting. You're doing this. You're doing that. And so at that point, I chose to get out of coaching and got back into high school and I became, quote, unquote, just a teacher. I didn't want to miss those first steps and those first sounds and those things that go along with being a parent. Right. Um, I had a horrible, horrible experience that first year as without outside of coaching and and just strictly teaching, I taught a class. It was called Success 101, Brandon, and it was nothing but freshmen all day long. There was no curriculum, no books, no nothing. I was just supposed to help them with their transition into high school. I was not a good teacher. okay. and so every day it was just like World War Three in there. Like I was trying to get the kids. The kids are trying to get me. And it was just like I just wanted to quit. Like I just wanted out. But I knew, like I've never quit anything in my life. I couldn't just like walk away. I had to get through that school year, and finally it got down to a point where I came in one day. It was my fourth block class, last class of the day, which that's always your words class, right? Like those crazy, everybody's just tired of being there all day long, all that kind of good stuff. And I came in there and I said, "Guys, I'm a horrible teacher, and I'm sorry. And I want to be better. I want to do better, but I don't know how. And so I really need your help on this journey." And it was one of those crazy events in my life where I broke down, I opened my heart and I started loving my kids. And the crazy part about the whole thing was, was that they started loving me back. And it was like, it ignit, it, it, it like lit this flame, this light bulb moment, whatever you want to call it. And like ever since then, my entire career was totally different. Um, that next year, our Joss and Drep came in, you mentioned Renaissance earlier, our Joss and Drep came into our school, and told our principal that we needed to check out this renaissance stuff and so he came to me because i wasn't coaching anymore and he says you're not doing anything else you're going to do this renaissance stuff and i'm like oh great and like you know how it is in education like programs come and go every single year to me it was just the latest greatest thing we'll do it for a year maybe two whatever i couldn't have been more wrong it completely turned our school upside down it turned our community upside down And in a lot of ways it turned me upside down as an educator and as an individual. And so we just had tremendous, tremendous success with it. There, um, our toxic point blank, it was just uh, like, our culture was just toxic. Like we had fights all the time. I always tell the story. There was a time I was trying to break up a fight. The kid turned around, tried to fight me. And like, obviously that was a mistake, you know, on his part, but it was just like, what have I gotten myself into here? Right? It was crazy. We started implementing Renaissance which is all about making sure that every single person on your campus feels seen and heard and loved and valued and respected, both students and adults alike. Our graduation rates went through the roof, our attendance rates went through the roof, our discipline rates went way down. And like I said, that transformation that we had there, it was just out of this world. And so that led me to the opportunity to do what I do now is I work on the Jocelyn Renaissance education team. I travel around the world and I have the opportunity to work with educators and with student leaders on school culture and climate and things that they can do to make their school the most inclusive places that they could possibly be. So it's a super cool job. I I get to see so many incredible schools and meet so many incredible educators and student leaders. Um, It's just something that, It's a dream job. And I I tell people that all the time too. Like literally it is an absolute dream job to have the opportunity to do the things that I get to do right now.
0: Wow. That is quite a story, man. That is a lot in the making right there. That's impressive. And I love that. And you're coming in from a place of a horrible teaching experience and using that as a moment to look within. And that was your moment. That was your unlocking unlimited potential moment, right? That changed the course of trajectory of everything. Once you realized that in yourself, the why, the strength of that why, and why am I really here? And I'm really here for the kids. And I'm really here for these relationships. And I'm really here to make school a better place for these kids. Um, And I think your what I love too is that you come from coaching because that's something we both share that passion and I think that a lot of that whole idea of hey taking these kids from from nothing to something you get that so often in coaching no matter where you are because you got to get these guys to work together and they got to go out there and compete or these girls have to compete and they have to get out there and together at the beginning of the season they start in one place but then they end up in such a better place normally by the end of the season and seeing that that growth is such an awesome experience i can share your love for that as well but you know you talk about that class success 101 you think you'd teach success 101 a little differently now if it was your first day
1: i think absolutely you know um like i said like when i first got into teaching i taught And naturally, we all teach the way that we learn the best. And I was very blessed um, and very fortunate academically. I had parents that supported me from an academic standpoint. And so most learning came very easy to me. And so when kids struggled with it, I had a hard time understanding, like, what are you not getting here? Right. Like I said it like you like it's just got to go right in there, you know. And I I think the other part of that conversation too, Brandon is I was raised. I I wasn't rich by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely in like a middle class. Family And that last high school where I was at that I was talking about was lower middle class and some a lot of it just poor and poverty. And I had a had a lot of trouble connecting and understanding where those kids were coming from. I had a lot of trouble understanding that some of those kids, a lot of those kids were more concerned about if they were going to get to eat that day than they were. than they were about worrying about any kind of standard I could ever write on the board. Right. And so that was a major aha moment, a major realization. For me, and, and it's kind of like what you said there with, with the coaching aspect. You know, I would treat those kids on the baseball field one way, but then I would treat my kids in the classroom a totally different way. But it was when I realized the connection that I had out there on the baseball field. And if I took those same skill sets, those same relational skill sets into my classroom, bam, that's when things started to click. That's when we started to make progress uh, from an academic perspective in the classroom, too, man.
0: Yeah, I think the sense to, that there is that that instant measurement factor of a competition, right? And the fact that when we're in school, like we're not really competing against each other and we're not really having a chance to win or lose together. So the hard part becomes, how do you bring that to your classroom? And that's something that I think is really amazing. And what I also love is that the school that hired you had you in a class called Success 101. I feel like, that should be a class in every single school, because, or that should be, let's put it this way, let's call it, that should be a part of every curriculum, you know, because what's success 101? It's culturally responsive teaching, it's your equity practices, it's your social emotional learning, it's your character education, your mindset work, all of that bundled up is, I think, something that I've noticed, especially, at least in myself and and in the schools that I happen to be working with, too, is that's something that the pandemic has has brought out in our schools in this idea of looking at it differently. Is that what you're finding as well? I see you nodding your head because there's a lot of head nodding on this show.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think the two biggest things that I've seen during this pandemic. One is around mental health and the social emotional well-being and the efforts to normalize that conversation and that it's OK to not be OK. Right. Because there's so many people like mental health has always been an issue. But what the pandemic has done, what COVID has done, has really brought it to the forefront. And then I think the other aspect that COVID has done and touched on is is with the culturally responsive teaching, with the issues around racism, um, with the issues around equity, specifically in the world of education. And again, those are all things that have been issues in our world for as long as we can remember, but COVID and the other events that have taken place specifically in the United States have really brought those things to the forefront and really forced us finally to have some of these difficult conversations that have needed to be had for a long time.
0: And you've been having a lot of these difficult conversations because you've been traveling all over the country, virtually, in person over the past, you know, months and I'm sure you can report that same thing that what you're seeing we're talking a little bit about this in the pre-show about the idea of how we're really looking forward to getting back on stages and being able to to work with people in in rooms and work with adults and work with educators and students as well to in you know that from that keynote speaking perspective talk a little bit about the experience being behind kind of the closed virtual doors so to speak.
1: Yeah, you know, I and I think definitely educators can definitely relate because the struggles that they have had to endure and the adversity they've had to face and overcome Um, in the big scheme of things compared to what I've had to deal with is very trivial right because they're they're trying to figure out how to connect with their kids and they can't get their kids to turn the cameras on and uh, you know those types of things which are so much bigger and so much more important than you know me speaking to a computer screen but just from a speaker's perspective like yeah it's been extremely challenging you know because again you're talking to a computer or if I'm on set you're talking to you know two or three different cameras, and you're supposed to bring energy, you know, you have to. You still have to pause and, and allow time for people to reflect and those types of things. And it's difficult because you're not getting that feedback from the room, right? Like when you're on a stage and the, and the auditorium or the gym is packed, you can feel the emotions in the room. I can feel when you're getting down too low and I need to pull you out of there, right? I can feel when you're laughing at a joker, when something you didn't think was quite as funny as what I thought it should have been, right? And so it's just a totally different world. But We've made the best of it, you know. Um, and just like I said, there's so many educators that have risen to the occasion as well. Well, like I can't even imagine the teachers that are having to teach in person and over the computer screen simultaneously. Right. Like whose idea was that? Like, are you, are you kidding me right now? And, you know, then I, I was talking with one of my buddies, Paul Doss last week, and that led into the conversation around we're still having state testing this year. Like are, like, are you kidding me? Like, wh- what are we, what exactly are we measuring? Like, who are we holding accountable? Like, all those types of things. Like, it, it's absolutely mind blowing that it, given the circumstances that we've just endured and some people are still enduring and then we're going to do state testing. And it's just like, how many more times can we, can we punch educators in the gut? You know, um, it's just mind blowing to me.
0: Yes, there has been some interesting decisions that have been made. And it is very difficult for educators to be able to rise up and be innovative and continue to keep going forward when we're telling educators that, yeah, you know, this is the future. You're, you know, it's all about the way forward, the way forward, the way forward. And then, but we're still going to test it the same way we've been testing it for 20 years. Um, And that is exactly that, that punch in the gut that we did not need to have and, you know, educators, you know, we're behind you, we believe in you, you know, continue to believe in yourself, that if you're out there, and you're wondering why you're doing something, come back to what PC said earlier, if it's about the kids, if it's about what's in your heart, then we're really talking about what's right. And I think that's really something that I, I see a lot in your work. Talk a little bit about of some of your work that you do with Jostens, because I do know you do do a lot of work with student culture and things like that?
1: Yeah, so every year we have a student tour and then we also have an educator tour. Um, This year, obviously all those things were virtual. So this year we had, it was called the Jossens Renaissance State of Student Leadership Conference. We did one for every single state in the United States, as well as one for Canada, and then one for Europe. Um, so those were those were super fun. We like like again, we made the absolute best out of the out of the situation that we possibly could. And then with our educator summits, those look a little bit different every single year, but those are specifically for educators and really help them to really dive into Renaissance and what it's all about. How do you get started? Um, what does it look like on your campus if you're in a high school, if you're in a middle school, or if you're in an elementary school those types of things um but then the biggest event that we put on the granddaddy of them all if you will is our renaissance, and renaissance in most years it's the and renaissance national conference uh this year for the second time it'll be the and renaissance virtual conference and so that's coming up in july july the 20th through the 22nd um, we're super excited about that we've got an unbelievable lineup of speakers that are going to be working there um, you were showing that opening video there and i was just kind of smiling to myself we actually had george Kuros two years ago in 2019, he is absolutely incredible. This year, we've got Tom Murray. He's gonna be one of our speakers along with Joe Filippo, Manny Scott, who was also on on that opening video there, LaVonna Roth, and then Houston Kraft. Those are our five keynotes for this year for the Josh Renaissance virtual conference. So I'm excited about that from an educator standpoint, just to be able to hopefully sit back and just kind of soak some of that knowledge in um, because as you know, you're familiar with all those people as well. They're all phenomenal, phenomenal speakers and even better people. And so again, just super excited about the conference this July.
0: Yeah, that's a rock star lineup right there. That's going to be awesome. I had the chance to have Manny and Thomas and others on this show and For those others that are out there, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to have you on as well. But those two are awesome. Um, Manny was on last week. Manny's an incredible individual. Tom was on a couple weeks before. Just what I love about them and what I love about the work that they're doing is that it's all about the relationships. It's all about educating all students. And specifically really looking at those groups of those kids that are considered underprivileged, underfunded, underachieving that get those labels or those stereotypes that immediately put them at the at a disadvantage honestly and starting with them and if we can start with if we can start there with those students and if we look at what we're doing with those kinds of situations then we're able to take ourselves and use that with anybody we work with because being able to really find that relationship within and being able to teach kids about the why of what's going on and being able to teach kids that this matters and it matters that you're here. And like you said, I know the title of your book. I love it. I see you. I hear you. I love you. It goes in line with everything that is being said um, by all of these amazing people. And these amazing people have great followings because they're doing the right thing.
1: And that's what it's all about, you know. And again, that goes back to that light bulb moment, that Success One Hundred One class with that fourth block when that light bulb went off, and it was like, this isn't so much about the standards; it's about the hard work that we had. Someone to shut here, the right? door. It's, about, it's it's about the hard work. It's about those connections. It's about it's about those meaningful relationships uh, that shut we make with those young men, young, young women that we have in our classrooms.
0: Yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's all really about just making sure that we're always there and able to do everything that we can for our kids. Because if we can do that ultimately at the end, isn't that really where we're supposed to be focusing our efforts when all is said and done? Absolutely. You
1: know, like it's about changing lives. And we talked about success earlier. How do we put kids in a position to be successful? And if we can accomplish that as an educator, then to me, that means that we were successful.
0: And you talk a little bit about success and we talk about people who are out there and doing great work. And one thing that we do on this show is we always look to dedicate this show to someone who is out there, unlocking unlimited potential in all whom they serve. Today, we have an amazing person. I know we both know her well. I'm gonna share a little little picture of her up on the screen. Shout out to Melissa Wright. She is an amazing individual. I've had the chance to work with her, myself, and Darren run a coaching program called Unlocking Unlimited Potential on the Road to Awesome, and she is definitely one of those people who is doing all of that. She's a high school educator. She's a speaker. She has a phenomenal webpage. Make sure you check out her webpage because she's done a great job with her website. You can follow her. She's also a Renaissance advisor, and she is from New Brunswick, Canada. I'm gonna take it over to you. I know you've had some some work with her and had some connections with her as well.
1: Yeah, just one of the most happy and genuine people that I've ever met. Like every time I see her, every time I talk to her, she always has a smile on her face. Her energy is like absolutely contagious. Um, And what she does in her classroom for her kids and in her school there at Kennebecas Valley High School, uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. And then she does so much work spreading her love and her passion for Renaissance and for the world of education throughout Canada and even beyond. like She always comes and presents at the Johnson Renaissance National Conference, um, which is always cool to have different people from outside the country to come in and be a part of that too. But just uh, a phenomenal educator and an even better human being, Melissa Wright. She's she's absolutely incredible and I'm honored to know her.
0: Well, we rise by lifting up others on this show. So shout out to you, Melissa. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep educating with passion. Thanks for everything out there. So. PC, we talk a little bit about a lot of things are starting to go on for you in terms of returning to in-person. So what's next for you on your schedule?
1: Yeah, you know, and so, like I said, beyond the conference that we have coming up in July, starting in August is when things really get back rocking and rolling as schools start to come back and they're doing their staff development and those first day of school kickoffs with the kids back in the building and all that kind of good stuff there. So super excited to be back uh, again in person. Like I said, we've made the best of the, of the situation as we've had to. I think there will still be a virtual component to a lot of the things that we do moving forward. Um, but there's nothing to me that can replace Like I can watch ACDC on YouTube all day long, right? But it's totally different being in down there in the floor seats and watching Angus just rock it out, right? Like, that's a totally different feeling. And so I'm really looking forward to being back in person and getting to work with educators and student leaders again. And so, like I said, I'll get started back on that again in August. And I'm just like, counting down the days, man, like, let's
0: go. It's promising to see that schools are already thinking, yeah, we're going to start bringing people back in. We're going to get, we're going to get fired up by awesome people. again. we're going to get our students fired up that's amazing to see and and I know it's we've come so far, but it's just amazing to see that that's what we're looking at on the horizon. so you know, great to get back into schools. I'm excited to get back in there as well and I you know I think it's just gonna be great once this is now we've all had the time to kind of refine, retune, and really create some awesome stuff that's timely and efficient, which I think is great as well. so you it's you can't deny you got a a, a rock star kind of thing going on there. So talk, you know, talk a little bit about, how do you, what's what's that all about for you?
1: Well, I love music I, and I've always loved music. It's something like I grew up, I, like I can, my very first concert was, I was a little kid in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, watching Hank Williams Jr. And I was like dancing in the aisle, I'm like three, four years old and I'm dancing in the aisle to Hank Williams. Like I have always loved music as long as I could remember. Um, and so as I got older, one of my like, I don't really want to call it a regret because I don't really like regret things from my childhood, but I wish that I had got started like learning how to play music at a much younger age. I got my first guitar probably seven years ago, I guess something like that. Um, and I, I just wish that it's something I had like picked up when I was like six or seven, because you learn so much easier then, right? It's kind of like foreign language. Why do we wait until high school to start teaching our kids foreign language? Right? Like why isn't that starting in like kindergarten and first grade when they readily absorb this information? Like it's, we'll get on a soapbox there it's so backwards but so anyway i love music and it's something that i've incorporated into my live shows when i speak um i always end it with i don't stop believing sing-along and so that's kind of where that all comes from there so yeah i got a few guitars back there behind me that one's actually my son's this one is my favorite one here this is a custom made guitar, it's a Tom Petty guitar. And so it's got the lyrics on there of won't back down. And so that's like, that's my baby right there. I absolutely love that one there. So, but yeah, I, I love music. Uh, so I mess around with the guitar. I'm not a whole, like, I'm not very good at it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but my son is actually in School of Rock, which I'm super proud of him for that. So he's the lead singer in their band. And then he's also started taking drumming lessons too. So very excited for him. Cause like I said, what I didn't do when I was young, he is doing. So I'm excited. And hopefully that's something that he's going to latch onto. And because uh, I always tell him, like, if you can play music, if you can sing, if you can pick up a guitar, you can fit in in almost any social setting, you know? So that's something that'll benefit him for years and years down the road.
0: As a guitar player myself, that is the truth. And I didn't pick up playing guitar until I was 18 either, which is my mother gave me my first guitar on my 18th birthday. And So yeah, it is important to start when you're young, but it's also important to just start whenever you're ready to do it too. That's the other thing. So, and it's one thing that I use in my classes, my classes that I work with, the schools that I work with, you know, I even use it when I keynote speak. I did a presentation not too long ago and I rocked it out at the end. And I think it's important to just kind of, it's good to break it up throughout the day. Like I always like to like give instruction and then I walk around and just repeat important words from the instruction to make sure kids are getting it and the repetition of it. And music has so many amazing things inside of it that we can use for our students.
1: Absolutely, and it's that association, you know, so many times I saw something, I can't remember what it was, It was just yesterday on social media and it said something about uh, as a teacher that couldn't remember to write the standard on the board every day, but they can fire off the words to Gangster's Paradise in a heartbeat. Right. And it's just like it's that association that you have with music. And so, yeah, when you're doing that to reinforce those lessons that you've learned, that's going to help so many of your kids to remember and to recall those things, not only for the rest of that school year, but moving forward as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just send it a message to Melissa right there as she's watching right now. So just letting her know if you didn't see it, this show is dedicated to you. PC, I got to say, man, I always love it when we get a chance to connect. It's easy to talk to you. We got a lot of real awesome, amazing similarities happening in the education perspective. And I love that. I wish you so much luck with everything. The JRVC is going to be off the hook. I'm looking forward to attending myself. I loved it last year. And I know that there is a whole bunch of awesomeness happening again when that thing comes live. And I can't wait to attend in live because I just happen to be ready to go now, man. I'm excited. I, I don't know why I wasn't ready to go in the past, but now I'm excited to go check it out.
1: No, I love it. I, I, and I'm excited for you to get to be a part of it too and to get to expose you to the community. That's what, you know, we have so many tools and resources that are available through and Renaissance and people will ask sometimes like, what's the best? What's your favorite? And to me, hands down, hands down, it's like it's not even close. The best part about Renaissance is the community. It's the family. It's the Melissa Wrights. It's the Paul Daws. It's the Darrens. It's the Bradleys. It's the Bowlers. It's the Dwight Carters. It's those people that love, education and that love kids and that love sharing ideas and other things that they can do to put you and then in turn to put your kids in a position to be successful. And again, to me, that's what it's all about, man.
0: And that's what it's all about. So I got to ask you one question though, before we wrap up here, and I think we've kind of, we're ready for it now. So finish my sentence, man, unlocking unlimited potential means.
1: Unlocking unlimited potential to me means inspiring the hopeless and empowering the dreamers. And we talked a little bit earlier about those kids that are hard to reach that, that fall through the cracks that may or may not graduate, right? And so inspiring the hopeless as an educator, as a student leader, as a human being, if you can find a way to connect with that young man, that young woman, and you know this as an educator, when that kid, when that young man, that young woman walks across the stage, that for all intents and purposes was not supposed to be there. If that doesn't bring a tear to your eye and pull on your heart a little bit, then you don't need to be in this profession, right? So inspire the hopeless. And then the second part of that is empower the dreamers. Those kids that have those big goals, that have those big dreams, that are shooting for the stars, but they just don't know quite how to get there. Let's help them to define what their version of success is, not what their parents think success is for them. Not what you as the educator think success is for, but what they think success is. And then let's put them in that position to be successful. And so to me, again, unlocking unlimited potential, that means inspiring the hopeless and empowering the dreamers.
0: And that is success 101. (laughs) Right, right. Oh my God! Yeah. I, if only I knew now. You know, it's one of those things. I knew now, like you know, golly, if I could take that stuff back. But we live and learn, and we get better, and we grow, right? Like that's what life is all about, man. That's it. Using challenges as opportunities for growth. Well, listen, PC, I appreciate you. I've been showing your socials. How else can everybody keep uh, contact with you? What's the best way to to follow?
1: Yeah, absolutely. As you got on there on the screen, um, on Instagram, on on Twitter, I'm on Facebook at Dr. Phil Campbell, and then my website is drphilcampbell.com. And love to connect with educators, love to connect with student leaders. So please reach out, hit me up if there's anything that I can do to help out.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again. I know time is valuable during this time, and I really appreciate every minute you took to spend with me today. So and. It's going to help others, and that's the beauty. We're just going to continue to put out quality content to help educators continue to do quality work with their students. And remember, everybody out there, the journey toward unlocking unlimited potential begins with you. Continue to educate with passion. Have a great night, everybody. This podcast is proud to be a part of the Codebreaker Podcast Network and also the entire family of disruptors at Codebreaker.